The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. No president should be able to sustain boots on the ground without congressional approval and without a clear explanation of what the mission is and what the end game is. This isn't really about the economic policy. This is about the coronavirus. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy and perspective from D.C.'s top names. We must use every tool possible to defeat this assault on women's reproductive rights. This is a steady growth that we're seeing here in our economy, you know, over the last three months. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. It's like yesterday's show never ended. They still have not voted on infrastructure in the U.S. House. Moderate Democrats are still at odds with progressives. And now Joe Biden appears to be grabbing the wheel, leaving the confines of the White House this afternoon to meet with Democrats on the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, presiding over what was the second Democratic caucus of the day in the U.S. House. We will bring you there live in a moment with Bloomberg government reporter and politics contributor Emily Wilkins hanging at the stakeout today. And we'll assemble a special panel this Friday with Democratic strategist Roger Fisk from New Day Strategy and Republican strategist Jennifer Kearns, former spokesperson for the California GOP. Later on, we'll talk with Bloomberg politics contributor Rick Davis, along with Chuck Roca, former senior advisor for Bernie Sanders' two presidential campaigns. So, Brace for differing points of view over the next hour because we're going to get into it. Happy Friday. President Biden wrapped a quick visit to Capitol Hill. It's already done. Short time ago after meeting behind closed doors with the Democratic caucus. We're going to get it done. We're going to get it done, he said. As reporters shout questions, he did not stop to speak with them. They were camped out in the halls for the balance of time. He was in that meeting. Motorcade then made its way back to the White House. It is unclear exactly what was said in that meeting, though reporters say he made brief prepared remarks and took questions from lawmakers. That's coming from sources. Reporters were not allowed in the room. The big question remains, will the House vote on infrastructure today? Does that sound familiar? Congressman Hakeem Jeffries of New York is chair of the House Democratic Caucus. Our speaker has indicated that we're going to vote today. I expect to vote today. And I expect that the bill will pass today. He says he expects the bill will pass today. Then again, we heard similar comments this time yesterday. And everyone hung around until after midnight with no vote. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked today, if they were close to something. If there was a deal, you all would know there was a deal. Uh, but that's exactly what we've been working toward and working through over the past several days. So, let's make a deal. Even though no one seems to know how to win this game, it's a good thing the ban is still here. And Emily is too. Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins regular on this broadcast not with us in studio because she's still on the hill and i'm thinking emily's been up there for about what 35 hours now emily wilkins you <laughs> clearly have not slept because i saw you on tv 
in the wee hours this morning, and I'm not sure your Twitter feed has ever slowed down. So first of all, thanks for all the work and the great reporting. Emily, is there going to be a vote tonight? No. No, there's not. Okay. And, and, that, and that was something that was made very clear by multiple lawmakers who we spoke with as they exited the meeting. The message from President Biden was that this will get done. And by this, I mean the infrastructure package as well as that social spending and tax package. But Biden's message was that it doesn't matter when it gets done. It simply matters that it gets done. So that meeting uh, with the entire Democratic caucus is broken up. Mm-hmm. We are now seeing the leadership team go ahead and meet as well as progressives have a meeting. And this, in a way, is a big win for progressives. They wanted to make sure that the social spending reconciliation package got done first. They're getting that. But it's also a bit of a win for, for moderates who have been saying that this price tag, it can't be $3.5 trillion and it yeah. needs to be less. And that is what Democrats walked out of that meeting with President Biden understanding. I spoke with numerous lawmakers who said they're going to have to find a way to shrink that $3.5 trillion price tag. We're not clear at this point how low it's going to go or or where it's going to land. Uh, But that's something that, that negotiations will figure out in the next few weeks. Emily, thank you. I wish we had a better phone. we got to get a new cell phone tower on Capitol Hill just for Emily's phone. Thanks for the great work, Emily. By the way, if you're not following Emily Wilkins on Twitter, you're missing a lot. But that's newsy right there. Emily's talking to these members as they come out of the meeting, and she said under no uncertain terms, and Emily doesn't fool around with speculation, there will be no vote tonight. So do we hear from the leadership again after midnight? Or can people get home? I did hear a report the Capitol cell tower is in the infrastructure package. Maybe that's why it's not working. Let's assemble the panel. Democratic strategist Roger Fisk is with us today, principal at New Day Strategy, along this hour with Republican strategist Jennifer Kearns, former spokesperson for the California GOP. Welcome to you both. You're both contestants on Let's Make a Deal here because, well, you're too smart to be contestants. But, Roger, I want to start with you here as a veteran of the Obama-Biden administration, and I assume you still have scars from the Obamacare debate. Are Democrats close to a deal here or are we getting further away? First off, Joe, thanks so much for having me, and it's lovely to be on with Jen. I think we're very, very close, and um, and Emily's reporting is spot on. I agree with her that there's not going to be a vote tonight. You know, Speaker Pelosi and um, both Senators Schumer and McConnell uh, don't necessarily share all that much, especially between Pelosi and McConnell, but one thing that they do share is they will not bring something out to the floor until they know exactly what's going to happen with it. So mm-hmm. that tells me that probably President Biden and the administration folks are going to continue to weigh in over the weekend. I think ultimately you're going to get to maybe getting Manchin up to like a 1.7 kind of neck of the woods. You reference, uh, you know, my time in the Obama administration when he did the economic stimulus, the American Recovery Act. Yeah. You know, the $1 trillion threshold was sacrosanct no one wanted to to puncture that and the fact that we're talking about one and a half uh and that mansion's willing to meet them there is already a win now it just has to be kind of sewed up well i'll tell you what jen saki has been saying on a daily basis deadlines bring deals i just wonder as you bring yourself back to that debate in 2008 2009 roger fisk is that true? Are we on the verge of something, or is this getting messier as we get further on the debate? 
Well, it's when you're right in the middle of it, it always seems messy, right? Because you're a- analyzing it on an hour-by-hour, day-by-day basis. Mm-hmm. President Obama kicked off the Obamacare campaign by going up to the House GOP retreat to meet for three and a half hours without staff and without notes and without cameras. That's That was the beginning of it. And then it, I think it stretched for almost 10 months, which is almost kind of where we are if you if this were to play out for another month or two. So... But then in, in the in the larger historical context, right, nine or ten months is basically a nanosecond um, played out, you know, over, over many, many years. So I think this has actually moved along quite quickly. I think the one facet, the one component that really needs to come into focus now is what is cinema's price tag? Because Manchin is, Senator Manchin has been pretty transparent about where he's at in terms of numbers yeah and senator cinema strikes me as a little bit more opaque so that needs to get clarified in short order and apparently cinema went home back in arizona uh so not still in town for the weekend party here although as hakeem jeffries said earlier if you know, it's not the year 1800 we actually can make a phone call uh let's bring in jennifer kearns it's great to have you with us jen gop strategist former spokeswoman for the california republican party is this music to republicans ears watching this unfold right now well, so far, but I do think that um, my former fellow Californian, uh, Nancy Pelosi, is quite a shrewd operator and uh, quite a good negotiator. I think she's going to be leaning very uh, heavily on Joe Manchin uh, doing her diplomacy, as she does quite well uh, over the next several days. But it is interesting that Kevin McCarthy's prediction yesterday that they would ultimately go the route of reconciliation, uh, which would only require they have a, a 50 votes of approval in the Senate. Uh, it does look like that's going to happen. However, I do think it's going to take a few weeks. Here's what I think is really the top headline of all of this. Um, it shows how powerful the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is today. When you see them make comments like they did today, that 35 uh, trillion was actually a compromise. They actually wanted more than that. So the fact that we're we're even discussing a number that is that large is is significant. And as Roger alluded to there, I mean, you compare this to the 2009 uh, 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 Obama American yep. Recovery and Investment Act of 2009. Uh, that price tag was initially around 700 billion. I think it ended up being revised to about 830 billion uh, after after it passed. But that was considered, boy, the the thing to break all piggy banks. And so this really uh, pales by comparison. I'm not sure they will get it down to $1.7 trillion. I think that is wishful thinking on the Republican part, but it, it certainly has to come off of that $3.5 trillion to even have a snowball's chance in passing. Roger, are progressives in charge here? We heard from the chair of the Progressive Caucus, Pramila Jayapal, a little earlier today. Here's what she said. Let's do this right. Hang on. I am open to hearing what other options there are for that, but I am very concerned about legislative language holding things up, Voterama changing the deal, and those are the things that have to be addressed along with the content. This push and pull, this game of trust here, Roger, has been getting pretty tough. Everyone's dug in. Nobody wants to budge. Are the progressives running the show? Well, no. I mean, they're defining what the outer limits of of uh, their agenda and their goals are. I mean, the, you got to think long and hard. To, to Jen's point, you got to think long and hard before you get into a staring contest with Nancy Pelosi, because there's not a long list of people that have come out of that for the better. That is what they're I doing, say, though, right? And I would, yeah, 
I would say the administration and probably Pelosi in a lot of ways are saying to the, to the Progressive Caucus, look, at, you guys are fighters, right? That's your posture. You want to fight. Now, you can go home and next summer and next fall go to a series of ribbon cuttings that are putting people back to work and continue to position yourself very honestly and sincerely as fighters, right? So you can maintain your brand. Yep. And that's that's basically a win-win, right? Roger and Jen, General stay where you are. We'll bring the panel back. Sound On is brought to you by Barish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community. For 20 years, they've been fighting for those who continue to get sick from the 9-11 toxins. Free health care compensation available. Visit 911victims.com. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Details are trickling out of this afternoon's House Democratic Caucus meeting with President Biden. He's made his way back to the White House now. And we expect some headlines here. We're already seeing some on the terminal. Biden said spending package top line won't be $3.5 trillion, quoting Representative Derek Kilmer on that one, Democrat from Washington, will not be 3.5. And maybe that's not a major surprise after what we were hearing all day yesterday about Joe Manchin's top line of 1.5. A lot to talk about here with Chuck Rocha, founder of Nestro PAC, former senior advisor to Bernie Sanders for president, two campaigns, 20 and 16. Chuck, it's great to have you with us here. Really interested in your point of view as we keep hearing. I just heard earlier this hour, and I've been hearing it all week, that progressives are in charge of the agenda on Capitol Hill. Is that true? I think they're in charge of a big part of it. I don't think they've got near the attention that the two uh, Democratic senators over in the Senate have got. I still feel like they probably have more control over the process, but I think it's a good mix. Okay. With that said, Bernie Sanders... Uh, telling uh, his uh, progressive colleagues last night to vote against the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Do they do that? Do they vote against it if it comes up before reconciliation is done, or has this just gone too far, this standoff? I think that from what I know about Speaker Pelosi, she's not going to bring something to the floor, hence why we have this waiting game that won't Mm. pass. I think the progressives in Congress are trying to get as big a bill as they can to rescue the American people and try to get, you know, something that they believe will be a big help. Uh, but as a, as a political consultant and somebody who worked on over a hundred campaigns last year, including Bernie's, I'll tell you that Democrats have, that's H-A-V-E, have to get something done uh, because of what the winds that are against us moving into the off-year election. If they, if we fumble the ball here, my team, my squad, it's going to have reciprocal effects for the next year and a couple months with yeah. the Democrats and Senate and losing both houses. Well, do you believe progressives then when they say that they'd, they'd rather sink this whole deal than do it the wrong way? Do you really believe they'd take zero instead of $1.5 trillion when it comes to reconciliation? Look, I've been a yellow dog Democrat my entire life and going back to being a precinct chairman when I was 20 years old in East Texas. You know that from my accent. I will tell you that there's a lot of folks in our party and folks that are in AOC's district in New York are much different than a district in the Valley. And so that's a beautiful thing about our party. And I think at the end of the day, we do all come together to get something done. But the progressives, and I give them full credit, are trying to get as much as we can in a once in a lifetime thing for this. This is important for the president's agenda. All that said, let's say you get the the full package in reconciliation. Now, moderates say that they don't want to go along with it because it's too expensive, whether that's Joe Manchin or somebody else. Is it worth pushing it to that level, or, or are we actually going to see some compromise here on both sides? 
No, I think that's the point I was trying to make by saying we'll get something done. I think at the end of the day that there will be something in between the two, something that will make Joe Manchin not all the way happy but somewhat happy, and the same thing that will make progressives happy. But both would have been happier if they had got all that they want. I don't get a sense you're terribly happy with Kirsten Sinema. Uh, I see that you're you're part of a an effort to draft a candidate to primary Kirsten Cinema in 2024. Joe, I'm going to tell you this is very personal for me. I spent over three million dollars of people's money in Arizona to maximize the Latino vote in Arizona to elect Joe Biden. I didn't do that so Kirsten Cinema could stand in the way of policies and things that would help millions of Latino families in Arizona. You know, we gave her the benefit of the doubt for the first 10 months here, rocking along. So we know that because of what she's done, it's going to be hard for her to win re-election. And New Westro PAC's goal is to get more Latinos in Congress and in the Senate. And we think that Congressman Ruben Gallego, a Marine combat veteran, would be a much better candidate in the general election in 2024. So you already have a candidate. Should there be a primary against Joe Manchin in West Virginia? Well, me and you both know, Joe, that West Virginia is a lot different than yes, Arizona. Yes, it is. Like you have, you have, as an old boy from East Texas who spent a lot of time in the steel mills in West Virginia, Donald Trump got almost 70% of the vote in West Virginia, but Joe Biden won Arizona. Hence why we will start with Arizona and deal with West Virginia as it comes. We're going to be talking to Rick Davis in a little bit here. Of course, longtime advisor to former Senator John McCain, Arizona Definitely has a, a bright red stripe through it still. You, you, you think that your candidate can beat cinema in a primary, and is that the best thing for Arizona? I do. I think that Latinos now make up over 30% of the population there. And when, as a political consultant, you're trying to think of folks, to your point, who can uh, bring people in who are what I'd call common-sense Republicans, probably yeah. fiscally conservative, a little more socially liberal, who will bring them in. Well, you know what they're drawn to? They're drawn to somebody who served their country overseas, and they are apt to support somebody who was in the military, like so run a veteran. McCain. I understand. Right. So running a veteran, a Latino veteran, a Latino veteran that stood on a table in the middle of an insurrection in D.C. and was showing other members how to put on a gas mask, that's the leadership we're looking for in Arizona. Chuck Rocha with us here on Bloomberg Sound On in our remaining uh, minute together here. Chuck, tell me what's going to happen. Do you need another week? What do progressives need to get on the same page here with this White House, with Democratic leadership? As they say, and we keep hearing this line, time kills deals. I will tell you, you know, I'm sitting here in my house on Capitol Hill, and I'll tell you, the longer we wait, the worse it's going to get for all of us. I think Hmm. what I had heard from progressives is that they wanted to see the president put his shoulder against the wheel a little bit. And I think him coming to Capitol Hill, I think that's why he came to Capitol Hill, was to show those progressives in a closed-door meeting where they took your cell phone before you went in to have kind of a an old school let's get down to business kind of that's meeting true. and said look i'm with you i'm going to make some phone calls because that's what they were really looking for is him to lean in with them i appreciate your insights today chuck rocha with us on bloomberg sound on he's right they put special cubbies outside the caucus meeting today so members could check their phones just like your high school student does too many leaks coming out of those meetings rick davis up next this is bloomberg Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. Thanks for spending part of your Friday with us. And we've got news from Capitol Hill as read on the terminal. Biden says social spending bill to be slimmed down in his meeting with congressional Democrats. Just happened this afternoon. President told lawmakers the so-called reconciliation bill that spans higher taxes, ramped up social spending will need to come in below the initial outline. Of $3.5 trillion. That may not be a surprise after what we heard yesterday from Joe Manchin and what we have been hearing consistently from moderate Democrats. We're going to talk about it next with Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis, who's been in back rooms for a lot of deals that may or may not lead to legislation on Capitol Hill, and he'll be here straight ahead. Welcome to Sound On for Friday. As Joe Biden notes, he had spent a hundred hours with moderate Democratic senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema in an effort to reach agreement on the social spending bill. Rick Davis is with us, Bloomberg Politics contributor. Can you imagine, Rick, a hundred hours with these two senators and we still don't have a deal? Well, yeah, I, I don't understand this administration's obsession with, like, the details of what they have to go through to get a deal. I mean, who would even keep track of how many hours that they <laughs> spent know. together? And by the way, 100 hours, and you still don't have a deal. What does what? that mean? Yeah, that kind of jumped off the page to me. Uh, uh, Jen Psaki mentioning, I believe, 300-something meetings earlier. They are keeping count on this stuff, although she was asked if there's a whiteboard somewhere in, around the Oval Office and no uh, she says there is not. But you saw the, the shuttling last night, Rick. You've got you've got Susan Rice. I mean, the big guns are out. Brian Deese, uh, Steve Reschetti and others shuttling between the speaker's office and lawmakers like Joe Manchin. You've been there on nights like that. It went past midnight and still nothing to show for it. Do you think there'll be a vote tonight? No, uh, I think that they what? gave it their best shot last night. Uh, it was pretty clear that they thought they could get a win last night, right? All that activity you just described is predicated on a positive outcome. You wouldn't ever do that if you'd already come to the understanding that you didn't have the votes for this. And so obviously a lot of pressure on the, 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 the progressive wing. Um, they held firm. They've got you know 24 votes that are going to keep that bill from coming to uh, fruition until mm-hmm. they get what they want. And uh, and it can't be overcome with Republicans. So uh, Pelosi had, I think, been able to count on about a dozen Republicans, not enough to make up the difference. And and so all these staff of the president and people who had relationships up on the Hill, they've helped elect these people uh, to Congress, uh, obviously weren't able to twist enough arms to get enough of those progressives to be willing to break 
their caucus. And uh, and it was a big dif- disappointment, I'm sure, for Joe Biden, who desperately needs some good news. Yeah. And, and they put so much heat on it that it actually resulted in a really bad day today. Uh, the press has been horrible. And so rather than getting a win, he actually got the opposite. Boy, well, I'd love to talk to somebody who was in that room. What was the point of the meeting then? Does the president stick his neck out when they're not close to a deal? Because that was the narrative, right? You'll know they're close when Biden leaves the White House and goes up to Capitol Hill. Well, he's come and gone. We still have nothing, Rick Davis. Yeah, I'm highly confident that the construct was they're dead without him going to the Hill, right? Wow. They, they, you saw that uh, the, the moderates in the, in the Senate, Manchin and Cinema, dug in hard. Uh, last night, uh, there was a lot of really negative comments between Democrats on each other. I mean, the progressives were out there beating up on Manchin directly by name. Um, you know, the blue dogs were beating up on the progressives by name. I mean, yeah. you know, without Biden going up there today and basically trying to reset everything, he had a disaster on his hands. I mean, it, again, it wasn't that the outcome was close. I mean, they like to say it was, but like, look at the comments by members who were in the room uh, during those negotiations. They came out blasting each other. I mean, there's yeah. a civil war going on in the Democratic Party right now. Is this a matter of time then, Rick? Because I, I, I think I know your answer. I mean, does another week or two or even a month make a difference? Oh, I think it, it, it does. It makes it harder. I mean, you know, legislation doesn't get better by sitting around. Mm -hmm. It gets old. Uh, It's not like wine. It doesn't get better over time. And and so uh, I think part of what Biden was doing was trying to figure out, is there any way that we can reset this thing? Because remember, they're going on break. They've got a two week recess coming up. And so they've run out the clock. And so I do worry for them uh, that they are losing the initiative and there are other things that are going to come take its place. And as you know, and you've been reporting on, uh, this debt um, uh, uh, ceiling is going to become, uh, as soon as they're back, the number one topic. Yep. And so how will it get any progress on infrastructure and reconciliation if that's the pressure they're under? Does the threat of losing everything, progressives and moderates, you get zero. You go home and tell them you lost. It was a fail. Does that motivate anyone to compromise? You know, you would think it would, right? I mean, like, and these are, this is a party with their backs up against the wall on the 2022 elections. You've got a negative 60 direction of the country right now. You've got Biden approval rating plummeting to a negative 14. Uh, If anybody who looks into the future is looking at 2022 as a disaster for House Democrats, Mm -hmm. unless they change the political dynamic, and yet they seem more intent on you know exercising their personal interests on these policies than they do the greater good of trying to save their their coalition in in the in the majority status in the house just talking about kirsten cinema with chuck rocha uh who was who's a, a political consultant a progressive helped to helped to advise uh both bernie sanders campaigns and he's part of a draft camp just launched a draft campaign now to primary kirsten cinema in the 24 uh, election in Arizona. You know Arizona politics, Rick Davis. Is Kirsten Cinema exactly the senator that Arizona wants, or is she painting herself into a corner now, too? She's already home, by the way. 
Yeah. Uh, well, it's smart to get out of Washington when there's blood running down the streets. Um, uh, you know, I was fascinated by Chuck's comments. Uh, and obviously, he'd spent a lot of time in the Hispanic community drumming up support for Bill Clinton, or for uh, uh, Biden. But I, I would remind him that their, their turnout wasn't anything special in the 2020 election. It was actually McCain Republicans that elected Joe Biden in Arizona. Uh, but that being said, Cinema only won by 30,000 votes, and, and she beat a veteran. Uh, and I know Chuck was saying, well, Ruben Gallego's a veteran, and that'll yeah. beat Cinema. Well, Cinema yeah. beat a veteran by 30,000 votes. That is an incredibly slim majority. So if you get somebody who is going to spend a lot of time and money in a Democratic primary, ostensibly will be broke going into the general election, and the primaries are in August with an election in November, good luck. I think that's another Republican pickup. Wow. Well, this certainly made her a political celebrity, whether it extends her career in the U.S. Senate. We will see. Rick, I'm really glad you could jump on with us today. Our friend Rick Davis, Bloomberg Politics contributor, with us on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We will reassemble the panel next. Roger Fisk, Jennifer Kearns. I'm Joe Matthew, and this is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Just got a statement from the Chamber of Commerce watching all of this unfold on Capitol Hill, as you have, and certainly as we have here in Bloomberg's Washington Bureau. Chamber of Commerce, right? This was a pro-infrastructure group and now a disappointed one. There's no bigger supporter of a bipartisan infrastructure bill than the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Neil Bradley writes, executive vice president, chief policy officer at the chamber. Respectfully, he goes on to write, the president is wrong. This bill should have been enacted six years ago. There was a chance to enact it six weeks ago. Delay has consequences, he says. None of them are good for the American people. We urge the House to pass the infrastructure bill as soon as possible. Of course, neither member on our panel believes there will be a vote tonight. That would include Roger Fisk, Democratic strategist, principal at New Day Strategy, and Jennifer Kearns with us, Republican strategist, former spokeswoman for the California Republican Party. Roger, when you're hearing the Chamber of Commerce weigh in on a Democratic initiative like this, and it's still not getting done, have you ever thought you'd see this day? <laughs> it, it is really interesting when we've gotten to this point, right? But a couple, a couple comments and a couple thoughts about things. First off, we need to understand how seismic the broader Biden potential win here is. The fact that the, that the, the number that someone is trying to pull them back to is $1.5 trillion is a gigantic win. The fact that we're even in this neighborhood, right? And now, obviously, the process steps are, that Biden has to still go through to, to seal this deal. The other thing is, is there's rhythms to these things, right? Like the, the chaos that you see, and believe me, the Democrats never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. <laughs> but say this, say this all gets ironed out in one form or another. Some of this yeah. cash actually starts to come out the other end of the hose next spring. There's, there's, there's road and bridge projects next summer on into next fall. All this process stuff goes away. So there's still plenty of room for Biden to come out of this looking very good, as as can the Democrats. Well, well let's see what time does with this, uh, Jennifer. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is, is whipping his members against voting for this, what was a bipartisan infrastructure deal, one that could not have passed without Republicans in the Senate. So even if this does come up for a vote, I mean, based on what we're seeing here, the leaks in the dam and the Democratic Party, it, it could fail, no? 
It could. And look, the old adage is time kills all deals. And certainly the Republican Party now tonight has an opportunity to really get in there and start communicating with the American people. Uh, the one point I think is their, their most winning point with American families is all of this money that Joe Biden and his friends want to take from the private sector and redistribute towards uh, public projects. That will cost the average household $20,000 per household, according to the Heritage Foundation Economist. That is uh, something that makes this bill very personal to people, and that is what gets people picking up the phone and emailing and jumping on their computers to email their elected officials. That is something that could move the needle over the next three weeks, which is, I think, uh, the period of time it's going to take to get a vote. Uh, also, you could you could speak to business owners here. Um, the the price tag for business owners is is very very steep here. You're looking at a 2.7 trillion dollar tax increase over the next 15 years on businesses. That's going to affect hiring and, and things of that nature. Uh, third, this is. Um, a bill that was promised to deliver jobs. But if you look back at the path of the 2009 stimulus bill uh, signed by President Obama, uh, there was a, an analysis some years later in 2013 that showed uh, that actually all it did, remember those shovel-ready jobs we yeah. promised, all it did was actually divert construction workers from private sector jobs <laughs> over to federal jobs. But Jennifer, you've seen corporate America really okay. step up here. Amazon, Walmart, the Chamber of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is is begging for a vote on this. I mean, we're talking about the hard infrastructure bill in this case, not reconciliation, but that's that's across the board. It is. Uh, but look, I think to, to understand what's really going on in America, American families and, and the individual Americans have some heartburn over these big giants who did not suffer at all through the government lockdowns. Uh, so there is this sort of uh, government uh, uh, lobby here of these large businesses who didn't suffer. And in fact, their their profits soared, right? As some of these companies, Walmart, Amazon, 200% yeah. plus growth during the pandemic, while the individual small business owner really got stepped on uh, during the pandemic and during those big state blue city lockdowns that happened. Look, uh, I think lastly, um, the point that Republicans need to continue pushing if they have any hope of killing this. And again, in the end, I think Nancy Pelosi is a shrewd negotiator. I think she's going to uh, get a positive vote on this. But Republicans can change some of this and bring down the price tag by, again, showing that this is this creeping socialism. You know, socialism has something that Republicans pound their chest and talk about. But yeah. it's sort of an abstract theory for American families and, and people who go to work every day. But when you start to tell people that the gov federal government will start to have much more control even over your water, your local transportation systems, your local housing authorities, taxes. Uh, and it comes with that price tag of $20,000 per household, that's where it starts to get real for most Americans. Roger Fisk, I spoke with Ayanna Presley. Uh, just a few days ago, I was outside the Capitol. There was a little event going on there. Nancy Pelosi was holding about all of this. And we we stepped aside and we had a conversation. And I used to know Ayanna Presley a bit when I was a journalist in the Boston area. And she she talked about the mandate. She talked about the multicultural, multi-ethnic, multiracial, multi-generational majority that was elected to the House speaking from you know, a place of personal mission. She said, we cannot let them down. They sent us here for a reason. But Roger, are, are progressive Democrats mistaking their sort of 
thin majority for a mandate to a dangerous level? Is that how we got here? Well, no, and I, I came up with Ayanna, both of us working for John Kerry, so it sounds like you and I might have been in Boston at the same time. Hmm. You know, she, she or any progressive needs to go out there and be as clear and strong a voice as they can in terms of their advocacy. That's not to say that their tactics, push comes to shove, um, uh, can't be focused on what they bring home for their constituents. To uh, one or two of Jen's points, I mean, I, I get the idea that there's a price tag to this, for right now, a lot of our ports on our east and west coast in the Gulf of Mexico aren't dredged wide enough or deep enough to actually accommodate the largest, most modern class of freighter that's running around the oceans right now. We're aging ourselves out of competition. Someone point me in the direction of private e- efforts to make roads and bridges, which by definition are socialist, since we all pay for them in one form or another, and then we can maybe talk. And to, to Rick's point, and in a way Jen's too, uh, I would much rather be having this conversation about millions and billions and, and, and roads and bridges and ports and things like that in the Democratic Party, messy and fratricidal as it is, than the discussion that is kind of even not really happening in the Republican side, which is hollowing themselves out, surrendering basically the entire pillars of their brand from fiscal responsibility to family values, et cetera, at the service of the former president, and essentially being willing to surrender to themselves, to him, over their most fundamental oath to democracy itself. I think when we talk about that American family and they look at one party that wants to make sure that the roads and bridges around them are safe, and another party that is not even fundamentally down with the Western Democratic experiment, that the choice is clear. Wow. We're getting deep into this here, uh, Roger. But Jennifer, you <laughs> if I understood you, Jennifer, you still think that the hard infrastructure bill passes under Nancy Pelosi's leadership at some point. Did I hear you right? Yeah, I do. I look, two-thirds of Americans support improving our infrastructure. So, uh, you know, to to Roger's point, it, it's not that I don't believe in infrastructure. I absolutely do. The, the points, especially on the ports, uh, when we have a backup and a, a backlog at ports, uh, is especially important. I'm just looking at the numbers and, and the economic analysis from places like Heritage and beyond, that actually did do a review of the 2009 uh, stimulus bill by Obama uh, that said four years later it did not deliver the jobs that it said it was going to deliver because those went from the private sector just over to the federal sector. So I just think that the the things we're being promised aren't going to be delivered, and those are jobs. And then the price tag, um, again, I think it's just too high for most Americans to bear. All right. I I have less than two minutes. I'd love to hear from each of you if we can manage that and and the time that we have remaining on what's going to happen this weekend. Apparently, it is a working weekend. Most lawmakers that we've been in touch with, Roger Fisk, are staying in town. Does something emerge? Does the president continue meetings? What's going to happen in the next two days? Well, let me reiterate that I agree with Jen on the on the broader point about the infrastructure bill. I think, you know, right now uh, it's going to get very, very surgical uh, into the anatomy of the language. And I know that we're in uh, or we like to think that we're in kind of a post earmark kind of world. But I think push comes to shove. We all know that it it really gets down to zip codes and specific off ramps and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think people are going to it's going to just get down to like rolling up the sleeves and going neighborhood by neighborhood and trying to make the point to people. I know, for example, the administration is already 
presented Senator McConnell with a long list, and there and and there's a pack that's yeah. running ads in Kentucky with the names of actual bridges. So I let's just give Jennifer a quick chance. Jennifer, do they come up with a deal this weekend? No, I think it's going to be weeks, not days, but I do Got think it. they come with a deal. Roger Fisk, Jennifer Kearns, many thanks for being part of our panel in our Friday edition. Happy birthday, Bloomberg. 40 years on the terminal and the most important news organization in the country. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.